living in Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you. Did I go too far? Now therefore say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. We'll stop right there. See, I'm trying to make sure I don't get asked to do this job again. <laughs> My apologies. Good morning. I love how you um, show the scripture that way because, you know, the scriptures that we speak about and preach about and teach about are not hand-plucked out of scripture. They're in the full body of God's word and a part of all that came before and all that comes after into this moment today. So I just love, I've seen a couple of churches do it that way, and I just, I just really appreciate it. Thank you, Joel, for that introduction. I'm Kathy DeCreedy. I'm a local girl. Um, I grew up in Simpson United Methodist Church on Middle Branch Road. I, we lived right across the street, went to Glen Oak High School, and so Stark County is my home. I come this morning from Summit County, northern Summit County in the Macedonia area where I live with my husband Danny and our two dogs. Um, I have a stepson, Murphy, who's out in Portland, Oregon, 34 years old, and I'm happy and healthy and thriving. And so we are grateful for life and for all that God has, sorry, called us into in our life. We spent, my husband and I spent a lot of time in Liberia working in West Africa with the East Ohio Initiative around clinics, classrooms, and churches in Sierra Leone, Zimbabwe, Liberia, and Russia. Um, but then COVID put all that on hold, obviously and we began to shelter in place. And the community where I lived and had just really been passing through for the last now 19 years since we've been married was a community that I had to get to know and leaned into the community engagement piece that you all are leaning into and got to know my brothers and sisters who lead worship in that community, got to know our food pantry, I got to know our school social worker um, who helps to meet needs in our community. And we have come together to try to be a stronger Nordonia Hills community than we were before COVID. And so I understand what that looks like and what that means and have leaned into that piece of my work at the conference level that I'm gonna share a little bit more about today. I'm grateful for the reading of that scripture that I had heard preached recently at a workshop at Duke University for campus chaplains. United Methodist campus chaplains were having a gathering and I was invited there to talk about missions. And this scripture was plucked out of the whole of scripture. And I share that with you today because I think it talks about some of where this church is and where we are all called to be. Do some of you know the song, He's Got the Whole World in His Hands? He's got the whole world in His hands. 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 And we know there's many, many verses to that. And we also, some of you may not know, but it was a song that was 
poeted by enslaved Africans here in America. It was an African spiritual. And despite their horrific situation of violence, oppression, families being separated from each other, their lack of choices, trauma that was inflicted, they testify to the power of God, that God holds them in God's good and capable hands. Jeremiah in the potter's hands. You and me, clay in the capable and holy hands of God. Surrender and obedience, patience, wheels spinning, life spinning. We say it is good news to have God's hands upon us. Oh, be careful. Transforming and shaping and envisioning and calling and renewing, plucking us out of this life that we know how to dance in. It's good news to have God's hands upon us. The Holy Spirit can resurrect our lives and transform our hearts and sanctify us for God's good service in this world. A creative, creating God created you and us for so much more than we could ever plan or imagine. Do you believe that, church? Whether you're here in person or online watching, do you believe that? That God fashions us with a purpose and a design to us for usefulness and intends for good for our lives, for all of our lives. And when we allow the great potter to shape us into the likeness of Christ and into the people who God calls us to be, we can be authentically patient with each other. We can wait for change. And we can let love be enough. We can live out of relationships and not the need to be right all the time. We can eat and be friends with people who have committed crimes or illegalities and with sinners. So back in May, I, I remember reading on Facebook, a United Methodist pastor who was moving asked the question on social media, you know you're a United pa Methodist pastor when? Or you know you're United Methodist when? And, and people filled in with comments, when you move in June, when your church hosts a potluck, when you have lots of meetings, when you're a church with differing opinions about theology, when you provide food or a feeding ministry. And I would ask you today, Westbrook Park United Methodist Church, what are you known for in this community? You see, I don't care so much as the Director of Missions and Community Engagement about how we see each other. I care about how I outsiders and how the world sees us, United Methodist folks. Because as the Connectional Ministry Office Director of Missions and Community Engagement, it is my hope and prayer that people outside of the UMC would identify us as 
advocates, providers, come alongsiders, teachers and listeners and mentors and helpers and way makers and transformers and grace givers and mercy makers. That you would be, that we would be disciples who are going out into the world to make new disciples. That you're partnering with schools and small businesses and nonprofits, and that you would partner with other United Methodist churches or ecumenical partners to go into the city of, of Canton and where you live. That Westbrook Park United Methodist Church and Faith UMC and Crossroads and Grace and First and Simpson and all of the UMCs in Stark County would be a holy force of transformation bringing God and new life into this place. That you would all be working together, the Connectional Church, reaching new, young, and more diverse people with God's love. This passage in Jeremiah is about God making something new out of our life. The scripture deals with newness and change and transformation just know that God wants to do something new in you and in the world. And, and this congregation, I think one of the reasons, like um, your pastor Joel said, wanted to invite me into this congregation is because you are doing this thing called cross purposes and master plan for life. And you're doing night to shine. And you're doing celebrate recovery. You are doing the work of community engagement because God wants to do something new, not just in our lives, but in this community. God wants to turn this world right side up and is counting on you and me to be a part of that. The Spirit of God wants to tr transform our lives and others. He wants to transform churches and communities. God wants to breathe life into the freshness and newness of it all. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, and it is not going to be happening quickly. We have to be patient. But God wants to do something new, and God will start moving in things and people and places. And God wants to new th do new things with you and your thinking and maybe even your opinions. You might have something to learn about God yet in this life. Who thinks they have something to learn yet about God in this life? Okay. That means something in the moment today might need to change. And you may even become uncomfortable when God is moving in you and into something new. Who likes being uncomfortable? Who likes change? Okay, some of us do and don't mind it so much. In order to do this work, prayer must be a part of this new work and this movement of God. Who is part of the prayer ministry at this church? Organized or individual? Everyone needs to be praying throughout our neighborhoods as we come to church on Sunday mornings. We need to pray the scriptures. We need to pray for power and for love. We need to pray with hymns or praise songs and worship songs. We need to pray for families and for teachers and for business owners and community leaders and other churches in our community, for people who are re-entering life after incarceration. We need to pray for our parks and our restaurants. We need to pray over our prayer requests for healing and for longings. We need to pray for people with cancer and people with trauma. We need to pray for people to be mentally well and filled with Holy Spirit power. We need to pray for prayers of thanksgiving and praise. We need to pray to see each other through Holy Spirit eyes. 
We need to pray for the state of Ohio and for our nation and for the world. We need to pray for places of unrest and distrust, for the kingdom of God to be made known through missionaries, for hope and for new life. The world is broken. And we need to help people reimagine their lives. Life is the lump of clay that we encounter in the scriptures. And it is risky business to climb up as that lump of clay onto the potter's wheel. We are both this lump of clay and the ones being God's vessels of helping other lumps of clay. With your hurts, your hang-ups, and your habits, that's, that's pottery work. We're both this lump, and we often experience the scriptures in this individualistic way where God, the potter, is seeking to make something beautiful out of our life, out of this lump of clay. And that's part of it, that God is intimately involved in the kingdoms of this world, that, that we need to be working on our own transformation if we're asking other people to join us in this work, to know that we don't have it all figured out and that we are on this journey together. God is intimately involved in this work of the kingdoms of this world, seeking good for the communal life and the collective life of humankind. Jeremiah, Jeremiah though, does not live in a democracy. This scripture is not about citizenship or politics, power or oppression, elephants or donkeys, checks and balances, nations or world leaders. This is about a spiritual life that seeks, seeks loving justice, through actions in our public spaces. It's as if John Wesley, when he spoke of personal holiness and social holiness in the ways of our lives, that our faith calls us to do our own work of transformation and being that clay, but then it calls us to go out into the world and to proclaim to the marginalized and to the victims, to see peace and reconciliation in the way of violence, and to recognize and proclaim the hand of God on all people. When others are closed off and cynical and doing harm, to point out the holy and how God is on the move in this world. To pray and declare God's mighty acts that you have experienced in your life so that others might experience transformation. We need to let God work in our life to reimagine hope and the call that God has on our life while we come alongside others to do ministry, to help build resources in people's lives and capacity for their life, and to help them make new choices that they've decided they have a need for themselves. We need to let others have voice and agency in their own story. We don't have the same lived experiences and so resources and perspectives will be different. Yesterday morning, um, I went out on a path that my husband has found. He's retired and spends a lot of time outside while I continue to work. And he has found where the blackberries are ready for picking. And so we went to pick blackberries. And you know when you're picking berries, anybody ever here ever pick berries? And when you pick berries, you all of a sudden pick them and you think you've got it done, then you just move slightly, right? And your perspective changes and all of a sudden you see a whole new clump of berries that you didn't see when you picked berries over here. And I, it always sparks in me 
this whole idea that we live life from different perspectives, from different points of views and vantage points, from different viewpoints. We see things differently because our experiences are differently, because we stand in life in different places than each other in this room, than each other outside of this space. And sometimes that can cause us to be impatient. Amen? That fear are stubborn lumps of clay that can be difficult to work with. But we need to remember that we need to pray for people and not pray on them and think about looking at life from a different perspective and shifting and turning the way we need to when we pick blackberries. I would challenge you to be patient and to find out why people are stubborn and set in their ways. What's their story? We all have one. We come to these songs, we come to these scriptures with our past and a story. What's our story around poverty or the home we grew up in? Our story of stability or instability? Our story with violence? Our story of longing for love and attention? Our story with abuse or shame? To be patient, to be grace givers, to stick with it. And remember that transformation that comes from God, it's not about our plans, and it takes time. In times like these, there's high prices for food and for gas, divided families and churches, finger-pointed about right and wrong. Some seniors are playing pickleball while others are playing pick-a-bill. Blue and white-collar workers, unions and equity, voices and votes. Churches want young families, and young families don't want church. People are houseless, and churches have empty rooms. People are addicted to screens, and relationship skills are lacking at all levels. Kids are absent and truant from school, and foster kids need a home and some routine. And you can fill in the blank with your in times like these. And yet, as scripture says, and yet, or therefore, God is present. And God calls people in all seasons in the past and still today. God wants to shape us and strategically places us where we need to be. God wants to equip and resource us with learning so that we can serve well and not do harm, to do good, and to stay in love with God. My office's main job, just up the street from you, is to resource and equip you, the local church, for ministry. So I say, what do you need? I can tell you what we offer, but I'm really curious what you think you need. We're offering a Bridges Out of Poverty cohort this fall to learn and discover the hidden rules of poverty, middle class, and wealth. We can facilitate a poverty simulation at your church and your community and discover ourselves empathizing in people's story in new ways. 
We can offer camp scholarships to you to help send community kids to camp. We can work with diversity and advocacy work. There are micro grants from strategic ministry and grants from the Board of Missions to help with next emergent, emerging ministries. But I also would be curious to hear what do you need? Perhaps during these times of change and transformation, stress and confusion, God will be able to do some of his best work. When we are in the potter's hands, feeling the pressure, feeling the molding of God's hands, we can relax and trust that we're being fashioned into a vessel for God to use. And then suddenly, being on the potter's wheel, being corrected and changed, feels more like a massage rather than a scolding, a finger-pointing, a punishment, or a shaming. Relaxing and trusting is to surrender your life as clay for the divine potter, is to know that God's hands are on your heart. That God has a purpose in mind for you, that you were created for such a time as this, with skills and ability and a past and a present and a future story that God will use for God's glory. Child of God, don't miss it. Your problem and the problems of this world are an opportunity for God to shine. God gave you something to work with. And we know from the stories of the past and the whole of scripture that God just needs a little something to work a miracle with. A little fish and a little bit of bread, a young girl, a shepherd, a touch, a bit of water to make the best wine. Don't be afraid. The potter is not the potter. The pot is not the pot what the potter had in mind. Clay can resist the potter, too. Because you know, I know, there have been times in, in our life that we have spoiled God's creative processes in us. God doesn't force us. God invites us to be active participants with God on the potter's wheel. And God will always be there to try again with nudging and prodding and probing and through other people in our lives to bring us back. In Liberia, where I have worked um, a bunch women, women, don't just sit there, do something. Westbrook Park, children of God, don't just sit there, let's do something. Lean in and don't quit. Live with perseverance and calm and grace and forgiveness. Be resilient to keep moving and to start again. Because God's purposes are grounded in love. Seeing each other's potential and enabling others to be good in the world. Treating each other as God's treasure and precious gift. Holding on to each other tenderly and hearing each other's stories as you do these ministries of grace-making and way-making with Holy Spirit ears, treasuring the beauty in the divine in each other, 
seeing the possibility in each other and responding in love. Creativity and imagination are essential in this work. Doing something new in new ways with innovation and wonder and waymaking and risking and failing and aiming for hope and making mistakes, asking for forgiveness, saying we're sorry, discovering and laughing and praying and being ba brave and courageous and simmering new energies for the Holy Spirit power. The creative, creating God created you to be a creative presence in the world. Jeremiah went down to the potter's house and there were hands, holy hands, capable hands for us to surrender, to be obedient and to be patient. Wheels spinning, life spinning. It is good news to have God's hands upon us, transforming us and shaping us and envisioning us and calling us and renewing us. Being shaped into the likeness of Christ means shedding parts of ourselves, the judging, the condemning, the shaming, the impatience, to be grace and love, just, and hope for the world. Let's pray. Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, you formed us in your image, and you breathed into us the breath of life. And when we turned away, and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity and made covenant to be our sovereign God. And you spoke to us through the prophets like Jeremiah. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. Your spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim, proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. You to set at liberty those who were oppressed and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. Oh, Jesus, you modeled for us as you healed the sick, fed the hungry and ate with sinners. And by the baptism of your suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to us, your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and you made with us a new covenant by water in the spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always. In the power of your word and your Holy Spirit, we are not alone. And so merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. 
free us for joyful obedience. You have the whole world in your hands. We are still in your hands. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Don't just sit there. Do something. Thank you for that message. Thank you for listening intently to the message. And um, I'm sure if you want to talk to Kathy, it would be a nice thing to get to her to show you leave today. Tell her what you need. If it involves me, you can just go home. Um, the other day, I took my we so far grandchildren to see the balloons that Phil talked about. And they decided they wanted to have Chick-fil-A. We were up on the hill, and we had to travel down to get there. And it was over the river and through the woods for me to get what they wanted. And when I was on my way there, there were some Christians on the corner who were handing out tracts or, or, or pieces of whatever. And a gentleman reached out to hand it to me. And when he reached out to hand it to me, this is what he said. He said, Come and read that before you throw it in the trash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I took it, but I turned around. He was, you know, I was moving as he said it. I did a complete 180. And I turned around and looked at him holding it in my hand, and I said, I'm not going to throw it away. I'm going to go home and read it. And I put it in my pocket. I did go home and read it. You may leave here today, you had a message, you know, God's healing. I never thought of it in the terminology that Kathy uses. Massaging. You know? That got my attention. God's hands massaging. Church, maybe we're being massaged and motivated to move and to do something otherwise. So don't walk out the doors and just let that message go home and remember it, reflect upon it, okay? So we're going to sing in closing today, ask the question, is Jesus worthy? And you know the song, we've sung it before. I love it, I hope you do too, but it's a responsive song back and forth. You can sing the whole thing, but just know that Jesus is worthy.